McCrary. Today, Thomas Smith is not with me, so I am going to be doing this solo. And today, we're going to be talking about the college football playoff games from this weekend. We're also going to be talking about the New Year's Six Bowls that were played on Wednesday. we got a lot of really good games to talk about. But to start things off, I want to talk about David Stern. He was a former NBA con commissioner, one of the greatest commissioners in the history of American sports. Uh, he died at the age of 77 after suffering a brain aneurysm a few weeks back. I really don't know when the specific date uh, his brain aneurysm occurred, uh, but I feel like it's necessary to talk about him because he is such a huge um, influential person in the NBA, probably the most influential non-player and non-coach in NBA history. This man did a whole lot for the NBA. He made it global. Um, he really changed it from being like a laughing stock in America to being one of the most popular sports in America today. So huge props to David Stern, the greatest uh, commissioner in the history of the NBA. May he rest in peace. Now let's get into the college football playoff games. First game we're going to talk about, LSU-Oklahoma. LSU won 63-28, and they just absolutely murdered Oklahoma. It was not even close. LSU just killed Oklahoma. They just they took them and put them six feet deep into the ground. They killed them. Joe Burrow was insane in this game. He had seven touchdowns in the first half. Seven. That is insane. Like in video games, it is hard to get seven touchdowns in a single game. He had seven touchdowns in a half of a college football playoff game. Like you're playing a top four team in the entire country and you throw for seven touchdowns in the first half, that is insane. That's crazy. That's otherworldly. I mean, I, I can't believe this dude's human. Because seven touchdowns in the first half, uh, it's obviously a playoff record. No one's had seven in a game. And he had seven in the first half. Uh, also, I want to talk about Justin Jefferson. He had four receiving touchdowns in the first half, which is a playoff record for a single game, and also for the first half of a playoff game. Uh, he was awesome. And, I mean, Burrow, he threw for 493 yards and 7 touchdowns while also rushing for 21 yards on 5 carries. And he added on a rushing touchdown. So he had 8 total touchdowns in this game. So he capped off his Heisman. He capped off the regular season with an insanely, just an insanely impressive uh, first playoff game. And, I mean, I, I haven't seen anything like this. In my life, I, mean, I legitimately think that this might be the best, the best single season by a quarterback in the history of college football. I mean, it rivals uh, Colt Brennan's 2006 season, or was that 2007? It's either 06 or 07 season when Colt had 58 touchdowns, like I think around 5,500 5, passing yards and 12 picks. This might be better. I mean, he, he's going nuts right now. He's going off. I've never seen anything like it. It's insane what Joe Burrow has been able to do this season. And I don't think anyone's going to ever touch what Joe Burrow has done this season. And if he, like, if he, if Joe Burrow, right now Joe Burrow has 55 touchdowns and six picks, if he has five touchdowns in the national championship, which is unlikely because they're playing Clemson, who's a good team, but if he does that, he will be the first player in college football history to have 60 touchdowns in a single season. And I don't care that he's going to play more games or have more games played than any other quarterback, most likely ever. 
like he's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock Joe Burrow because he played in a national championship. I'm not gonna knock him because he plays in the playoff era. So he has one more game than everybody else. I don't I really don't care. What he's doing is nuts, and we gotta give him his props. He's been insane, and like, this is this might be the best Heisman season this past decade. Like, it's insane what he's doing. It's unprecedented. Yeah, LSU's offense was insane in the first half. Um, they were up, I, I believe, forty-eight to fourteen at the half, and I, I quit watching at this point. And I was in uh, Panama City on a church on a church retreat. So, I wasn't able to watch. I, mean, I could have watched the whole game, but at that point, like, Oklahoma was dead. And I had better things to do than watch Oklahoma get killed for another, you know, another half. So, I quit, I quit watching, but there were a few plays in the first half by Joe Burrow that were absolutely nuts. He had this one throw um, where Justin Jefferson went deep. He was on the run. He rolled out to the right, on the run, threw an absolute laser to the end zone. And I, I kid you not, I was sitting outside on a cement, on a cement, like, uh, what am I trying to say? A cement, like, bench, watching the game with a friend of mine. And, oh my god, I legit fell out, fell off the bench. And I was on the ground in awe of what I had just seen. Because I have not seen a throw like that since, like... I don't know. Like the only person I've seen make throws better than that is Patrick Mahomes, and he's one of the most talented quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. So I'm, I'm like, bro, this dude, this cat is built different. This dude is not a regular human being. We gotta check. We gotta make sure that Joe Burrow is actually human, because some of the throws he made in this game were nuts. They were insane. They were NFL throws. And after watching this game, I'm questioning whether or not. Tua is really the best quarterback in this class. Because I've been thinking, um, and I don't know if I've said this on a podcast before. I've told my friend, and I've told my stepdad this. I've said that if Tua wasn't, like if he didn't have this history of injuries, that he would go number one, and that he should go number one. I've been saying that he's better than Joe Burrow. But after this game, I really don't know. Because Joe Burrow was absolutely nuts in this game. And he, and he was making so many throws where I was just like, this cat might be the number one quarterback in this class. This dude is insane. He's great. He's everything. He has everything you want a quarterback. He's got a big, a good arm. Not a big arm like Jacob Easton or Justin Herbert, because uh, that that's one thing he struggles with. And I'm not trying to do like a film study right now, but I mean he's got a good arm. Um, he's accurate. He's a great decision maker. I mean he's a big time playmaker. And if you haven't watched him this season, watch Joe Burrow. Um, some of the throws he's made are just insane, and there were a lot of throws in this game that just made me, it made my jaw drop at how crazy some of this stuff was, but he was awesome, and I know, I know Oklahoma had a few players missing, so I don't want to, like, overreact, uh, but I, I was very impressed by what Joe Burrow did in this game. He was awesome. Uh, one thing I want to mention, Chris Curry, he played a lot because Clyde uh, edwards Hilaire, he didn't play a lot because he was dealing with a, a hamstring injury he suffered in practice preparing for this game. Um, so Chris Curry stepped up. He was really good. Like, he had uh, over 90 yards of uh, rushing yards. He was really good. He stepped up big time um, with with Edwards Hilaire having a limited snap count. Um, Hilaire, Hilaire uh, played, like, I think he had, like, two rushes. 
Um, so he really didn't play a lot. He was really limited, but Curry stepped up, and he was awesome. Um, I mean, his stats are really good, but just watching the game, he was hitting holes, getting a lot of rushing yards, and his uh, rushing yards per attempt, he had to be really good because he was just incredible. Let me go ahead and look it up because, uh, I mean, he was awesome. Just watching the game, he was really incredible. Let me look at the box score of this game and see Curry. Alright, so Curry had 16 carries and 90 yards. Didn't have a touchdown, but he had 5.6 yards per carry. That's really nice. That's just, that's awesome. And I was, uh, I was wondering how, how LSU would be affected by Hilaire's limited snap count. Uh, because I didn't expect him to play all that much. Uh, but Curry stepped it up and he was awesome. Their run game didn't really skip a beat uh, with Curry in there. Obviously, he's not as good as Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But he, he got the job done in this game. And uh, also, another thing I want to talk about, Jalen Hurts looked bad in this game. I mean, he's inaccurate, just missing throws. He did have um, some good rushing numbers. He had 14 carries, 43 yards, two rushing touchdowns. But his passing numbers weren't good. 15 for 31 passing, 217 yards, and one pick with a QBR of 40.1. He wasn't great in this game. Um, I wanted to see a little bit more from him. But, he, I mean, he was just bad in this game. He also he had a really bad pick where he had a guy on the sideline, and he his receiver was open. All he had to do was throw the ball on the sideline, like throw it outside away from the safety. Because if he throws it inside, the safety's going to get the pick. And I'm just like, throw, just throw it outside. Throw it to the sideline so your receiver can make a play. Uh, of course, he throws it inside. The safety gets a pick. And that's just a really bad throw. And that's something that, that can't happen. Um, that's one reason why I don't consider Jalen Hurts a legitimate NFL prospect this year. Because the plays like this, like, that that was a really bad interception. And, like, I can't have that, bro. Like, that that's just a really bad play by him. Um, and I I know this people will cry. Like, I, I've said this before. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I don't know, I haven't said it on the podcast, but Jalen Hurts needs to switch positions. Like, he needs to switch to either running back or wide receiver. I think he could be a decent running back. If he learns how to play the position, um, he could be a solid running back because he's strong. He's a big guy. He's 6'2", so he's got good size. Um, he needs to switch positions because he's not a quarterback. Um, he's not a great passer. Got a little bit of arm talent. He doesn't have a Like, he's got a decent arm, uh, but his throws don't have enough velocity, and I just don't think he's a, a legitimate quarterback prospect. I don't think he's ever going to be a quarterback. And you can say that, well, Lamar Jackson wasn't. Well, that, like, people said that Lamar Jackson should switch positions. Uh, coming out of college, Lamar Jackson is way better than where Jalen Hurts is at right now. Like, Hurts is really bad. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know if Hurts is draftable at this point. Because uh, of what I've seen on tape, I, I'm not drafting him higher than the fifth round. And I don't even know if I'm drafting a fifth round. Like, I don't know if he's worth that. Uh, I do think he can serve as like a Taysom Hill type type player um, where he can come in and kind of be like that Swiss Army knife for a team. I think he, I think that's the perfect role for him in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be a full-time starter ever unless he has some dramatic improvement. Uh, but, I mean, I just haven't seen that from him. Like this season, like he's a better passer than he ever was at Alabama now. Uh, but he's got to get dramatically better. He's got to fix his mechanics. He's got to get and get mu- like his arm strength has to improve. His velocity has to improve, 
and his decision making has to get a lot better. Because uh, if all that doesn't improve, basically he just he just has to get just like exponentially better overall um, to be a full time starter in, in the NFL. And I question whether or not he can do that. All right, let's move on to Clemson, Ohio State. Wow, what a game! This was a phenomenal uh, semifinal playoff game. Clemson won 29-23. And I picked Clemson in this game. I picked Clemson and LSU to win the semifinal games. And I picked Clemson to win the national championship before the playoffs started. Um, and I was starting to sweat a little bit. Because for the first 22 minutes and 40 seconds of this game, Ohio State was dominating Clemson. I mean, Ohio State was up 16-0 in the second quarter. Um, and they were dominating. A lot of the things... That worries me about this game for Clemson. Uh, like I, I worried about Clemson's defensive line and their ability to stop the run. I, I didn't know if they'd be able to do that. I also um, was worried that Ohio State's pass rush would be too much for Clemson. And for the first half, those were big issues for Clemson. Like they couldn't stop the run. Um, J.K. Dobbins had two 60-plus yard runs in the first quarter, one being a 68-yard touchdown. Um, let me make sure that's right. I think that, yeah, he had 168-yard rushing touchdown in the, in the first quarter. And his stats were just insane. It's like four rushes for over 100 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter alone. That's insane. And if if, if you allow Ohio State to run the ball effectively, you're, you're like, chances are you're going to lose. Because once the run game gets going, then they can hit you with the pass because Justin Fields is a great quarterback. Um, and if, they're, if their defense is playing good, if they have a pass rush, if they're getting to the quarterback, getting a lot of pressure, you're basically done. Um, and it looked like Clemson was about to get smacked by Ohio State in the first half because everything was going Ohio State's way. Now, the one thing that Clemson was doing good is their defense was stepping up in the red zone. Ohio State was 0 for 3 on red zone trips. And when I say 0 for 3, they had zero touchdowns and three red zone trips. Um, so they, they, they kicked three field goals in the first half, even though they saw the red zone each of those um, on each of those possessions. And Ohio State could have been up 28-0 in the second half easily. Like, they easily could have been up 28-0. Uh, but the Tigers were stingy in the red zone. Their defense was fantastic in that area of the field. Um, and that's really the only reason why they had a chance to come back in this game. Because they could have been, they could have been down four possessions. And that's just a rough spot for them for them to be in. But they were only down uh, two possessions. And in the second half, or in the second quarter, their offense just started clicking. Ohio State was being really aggressive. They were blitzing a lot. And Clemson was able to just take advantage of that. One of the most impressive plays of the first half was a 63. Let me actually take a look at this. I don't want to be completely wrong about this. Uh, let me go to the play-by-play because Clemson had a huge uh, touchdown run by Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence had a, a let me see, it was a 60-plus yard touchdown run, which was huge. Uh, they did that a lot in this game. They used Trevor Lawrence as a runner, and he's, like, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, and so a lot of people were surprised after this game. Trevor Lawrence is a great athlete. He's a, he's extremely athletic. I mean, he can use his legs, and he's a dual-threat quarterback. He's not just a pocket passer. He can use his legs. Like, in high school, he ran, like, a 4 7 40. 
this dude is not slow. Um, so I was kind of confused why people were like so shocked about this, uh, but they were. And I was like, no, I like I, I went to high school with this dude. I know what I'm talking about. This dude is an a like, he's insanely athletic. He's a beast. Uh, if you use him as a runner, you're gonna have a lot of success. And Ohio State was blitzing a lot. And so Ohio and so Clemson started using Trevor as more of a runner in this game, and they had a lot of success with it. Uh, and you know Trevor Lawrence had a 67-yard touchdown run because of the great blocking on this play. They used uh, Ethan as a blocker. They got a big hole, and Trevor Lawrence just did the rest. He ran for 67 yards and made it a 16 to 14 game at the half. Uh, also, we had there was a, a eight-yard eight run by Travis Etienne, which I thought was going to be a loss. It was third and two at, at the Ohio State eight. And, you know, uh, Travis Etienne got caught at like behind the line of scrimmage, but he stood stiff on the guy, fought for it, and he just fought for a touchdown. That was a huge play, huge momentum-swinging play by Clemson. Then they forced a punt, and then, uh, and then the 67-yard touchdown by Trevor happened. They forced Ohio State to punt again, and then at halftime it was 16-14. to Instead of being like 28 nothing or 28 to 14, it was a two-point game, and Clemson was right back in this game. Second half was really tough for Ohio State. Um, you know, uh, they struggled offensively a little bit, and Justin Fields had a pick. He had a bad interception in the second half, like a really bad pick, where he he saw um, he had a receiver open, but what he didn't see was Isaiah Simmons rotating in zone coverage. So Isaiah Simmons rotated to the sideline. Fields never saw him, made a bad read, and Isaiah Simmons got an easy pick. They ended up having to punt anyways, but that was a huge, huge play in this game. And, you know, Clemson could have gone up 28-16 to 16 at that point. They could have gone up double digits and completely turned this game on its head. But luckily, Ohio State was able to get a stop. And Clemson took a lead, uh, this was before the interception, Clemson took a lead 28-21-16 on a 53-yard uh, pass from Trevor Lawrence to Travis Etienne. It was like one of those little short passes. Um, it wasn't like a huge dot deep down the field. It was a little short pass that Travis Etienne took for 53 yards. That was an insane play. Etienne showed his speed on that play. I mean, that was, that was really insane. That put Clemson on top. Um, and in... The third quarter, uh, Ohio State actually took the lead. They had a good drive, um, and they were able to take the lead on a uh, pass from Justin Fields to Chris Olave for 23 yards. Fields was he struggled in this game at times. He had two picks. One of them, one of them was not his fault. One of them was a bad read. In the in the first half, he was dealing. He was throwing knots. I mean, he had multiple interceptions in a row to start the to start the game off. In the second half, their offense kind of stalled out a little bit. They weren't able to get uh, generate as many points because uh, they were playing from behind and they had to pass the ball a little bit more. And J.K. Dobbins getting hurt, that was a huge part of this game. Dobbins got hurt, and so he was limited in this game for a majority of the of the second half. Like, the entire second half, he was basically a non-factor. So their offense took a took a big hit from that. Um, and they were... But luckily, they were able to get a touchdown on that Chris on that pass uh, from Fields to Chris Olave in the in the in the fourth quarter at the very beginning. Um, one of the most impressive drives of this game was a four-play, 94-yard drive uh, by Clemson that started with with two minutes and 55 seconds in the fourth. 
Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll go by the, go through the play-by-play. Trevor Lawrence, passing Justin Ross for 11 yards. Trevor Lawrence on first and 10, a run for 11 yards to the Clemson 28. Then a Trevor Lawrence pass complete to Amari Rogers for 38 yards to the Ohio State 34 for first down. And then Trevor Lawrence pass complete to Trevor to Travis Etienne for 34 yards and a touchdown. Now that play, that was crazy because uh, I was I was watching the game with a few of my uh, friends from church, and everyone, and my my best friend Thomas who does the, this podcast with me, he was like, "Yo, get down, get down, save time." And I was like, "No, no, you got to score this. You got to score." Uh, you know, time. I know, I know, they're leaving a lot of time on the clock if they score here, but you have to take the points here. You've been struggling all game. Uh, but your your offense is finally coming alive in the last three quarters. You got to take the points. You can't risk missing a field goal, which you've already missed a field goal earlier in the game. You got to take the points here, uh, and you, you got to trust your defense, which has been playing lights out this half. So I, I was I was very I was happy with the points. I was glad Clemson took it, and I thought it was a great decision by ETN to go ahead um, and score the touchdown rather than falling down and trying to save clock um, and playing conservatively. I like the aggressiveness there. I thought that was the right call. Now, uh, at the end of the game, you know, this is probably the, the, one of the biggest plays in the game. I want to talk about some of the, uh, some of the officials and the, the instant replay, um, some of the problems with that in this game. But uh, the final job of the game for Ohio State, they were driving. They actually came right down the field. They had a chance to take the lead. Um, and I think they would have scored a touchdown on the final play of the game. So, Chris Olave, let me explain this for you. Chris Olave was running a post. But instead of running the post, he, ran, he like, abandoned his route because he thought Justin Fields was scrambling. And uh, Justin Fields was not scrambling. So, he thought Chris Olave was going to run the post. But he didn't. He abandoned his route. Fields threw the post. He wasn't there. And it was an easy pick for for Clemson. Um, and the safety, I forgot his name. Something Turner. Is it Justin Turner? I think it's Justin Turner. He has an amazing story where he was unranked coming out of high school. His dad was friends with Dabo. Um, and his, his dad died of ALS. So, so Dabo wanted to make sure that he would be taken care of. So he offered him a scholarship. Um, and he, he accepted it on the spot. And he played a big role in this game. He got the game-winning interception. So that's just an amazing story. Um, I'm really happy for that guy. That's just insane to come out, come, to be unranked coming out of high school, getting a chance to go to Clemson, working your butt off, and having one of the biggest plays in one of the biggest semifinal games of all time. That That's just crazy, and I'm really happy for that guy. That's just That was an insane, and it, just a really cool story coming out of this game. Now let's talk about... The instant replay. There were huge play, two huge plays in this game. There was a targeting penalty, and there was an incomplete pass. I want to talk about the targeting penalty. So uh, Wade, one of the cor- the number two corner for Ohio State, goes gets a sack on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. He gets banged up a little bit. He's fine. Ends up being okay. But they review the play and they call Wade for targeting. He's ejected from the game. Now. Wade is one of Ohio State's top corners. Like I said, he's the number two corner. He's a he's one of their best players on defense. He's projected to possibly go first round in the draft this year. So this was a huge loss for them. 
and people were questioning whether or not he was actually targeting. I think he's targeting. He led with the crown of his helmet. He hit Trevor. There was helmet-to-helmet contact. And that's targeting. Like, you can't lead with the crown of your helmet. There was a lot. You can't do that. And I know people were saying that Trevor Lawrence changed his level. He, he lowered his head. But you, but you still, as a defender, you cannot lead with the crown of your helmet, which is what Wade did. I thought the officials got that call right. I can see the argument for why I should not have been targeting, but I disagree with that. I think it was I think it was the right call because you cannot lead with the crown of your helmet no matter what. No matter no matter if the offensive player lowers his helmet, you can't lead with, with the crown of your helmet. So I thought they got that call right. The call I think they did not get right was the incomplete pass. I forgot what point this was in the game. It was I can't remember if it was in the third or the fourth quarter, but it was a huge play. Uh, Trevor Lawrence hit Justin Ross on this little out route, and Ross caught it, took a few steps, then um, whoever was covering him, it wasn't, it was Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda knocks the ball out. So that's a fumble. They call it a fumble. They rule it a fumble. And so Ohio State returned it for a touchdown. They retake the lead. Officials review it. They say that it's an incomplete pass. Um, they were they reverse it, which is the crazy thing about it. They reverse the call. They would a fumble on the field, so they're saying they have enough video evidence to reverse the call. Now, uh, they were saying the announcers and a lot of people on social media were saying that the reason they reversed the call is because they looked at it from, you know, live action where it's like where it's a bang bang play. They're not looking at it from slow motion instant replay. They're looking at it from live action when it's full speed. And I get that argument. I get what I get what they what they're saying when they argue that it was an incomplete pass. Because uh, when it's like full speed, it's a bang bang play. It does look like an incomplete pass. But here's the facts. Justin Ross caught it. He took three or four steps, and then drops the ball. He catches the ball after ma- after maintaining possession. He has possession of the ball. He maintains it through his four steps. Then he drops it. That's a fumble. Whether it's in, in whether in slow motion in slow motion or full speed, that is a fumble. The ref screwed that up, and that was a huge point in the game. I don't think Ohio State lost because of that, because I think there were there were a lot of reasons why Ohio State lost. That was a big reason because that 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 gave Ohio State the lead. So without that, uh, I mean they're still well, they were still ahead at that point. But this this just puts them ahead, and really makes the makes the result of this game in doubt. It's really looking like Ohio State's gonna wrap this thing up, but they they still had the lead. They would have been up by eight, and it would have been really tough for Clemson to win this game. But like I said, they were still up at this point, so they easily could have they could have won this game from this point on. Uh, this fumble, the the missed call right here was not why they lost the game. They lost the game because they were terrible in the red zone. They, there was three possessions in the red zone for them where they took field goals and didn't get touchdowns. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear from people that, and from Ohio State fans, that they got screwed by the refs because they didn't. Y'all, y'all had three red zone opportunities where you could have scored touchdowns and you took field goals. And Fields had a bad pick. He made a bad read in this game, had a pick. And, I mean, look. Those are those are four reasons why Ohio State lost this game. Like, I know, I know the penalty, I know the bad, the bad call hurts. 
I know. I hate it for Ohio State. That call sucks. It sucks that the refs screwed that up. But you have to move on from that. You still have the lead at that point. You've got to finish the game off. You've got you to gotta stay focused. And you've got you gotta to gotta finish the game off. You've got to complete the game. You've got to win the game from that point. I know it sucks. But you're up by one at that point. You know, it's not a done deal because of that fumble. You still have a whole quarter of play left. Got to get the deal done. Um, and Ohio State couldn't get it done. They couldn't win the game. They couldn't make the necessary pl- make the necessary plays to win this game. Um, you know, Clemson made a, made some good adjustments in the second in, in uh, the second quarter and the second half. Ohio State was aggressive, so they attacked them with quick passes and quarterback runs. And those um, those adjustments are why Clemson came out victorious. It's why Clemson's going to the, the natty. And I don't want to hear any excuses from Ohio State fans. Ohio State fans. My bad. I can't speak today. All right, I'm going to take a break, and then we will talk about the New Year's Six Bowl games. I will be right back. All right, I'm back. Let's talk about these New Year's Six Bowl games, starting off Auburn-Minnesota, a really good game. Minnesota was awesome offensively in this game. But on their first drive, Tanner Morgan had a really, really bad interception. They threw it right to Jarvis Davis. Or Javaris Davis. I think it's Javaris Davis. Uh, number 13 for Auburn, a corner. Um, it was a terrible decision by him. I don't know what he was thinking. He threw it right to him. So Auburn's first possession, they started in Minnesota territory. And they had a great opportunity to score a touchdown on their first possession. Uh, but they, they were forced to take a field goal. And that that's really just the story of this game for Auburn. Auburn's offense was pathetic in this game. It was inconsistent. Too many drives. They were facing third down really early, like three plays into the drive, and they were facing a third down, um, and they weren't able to convert on these third downs. So this was a rough game for uh, Auburn's offense. And defensively, they struggled as well. Minnesota was really just, they were they were just on fire offensively. Um, and their RPOs just killed Auburn's defense. Um, I, I think the biggest surprise for me um, as an Auburn fan with Auburn's inability to stop the run, that's something they've been able to do all year. They have one of the best front sevens in the entire country, uh, led, led by Derrick Brown. And Derrick Brown was basically a non-factor in this game. He, I mean, he, he literally did just about nothing in this game. Um, like I said, he was a non-factor. He didn't have a huge impact on this game, which I was really shocked by. I thought we had a, I thought we had a good chance in this game. Uh, if we stopped the run, if we forced Tanner Morgan to throw the ball, and if we got pressure on him and forced him to make some tough decisions, I thought we'd be able to come away uh, victorious in this game. Uh, but we couldn't get pressure on him. We couldn't stop the run. Um, and I was like, Derrick Brown deciding to play in this game gave me a lot of confidence in this Auburn Tigers team. But they just came out flat offensively. Uh, defensively, they struggled. Didn't look like they were prepared. Uh, for this RPO offense, which is surprising because they couldn't stop Minnesota's offense, which is similar to LSU's, and they defended LSU really well. Like they, they held them to 23 points, and, I mean, they, they only lost that game by three, and they forced uh, a turnover. And, they, like, that was probably Joe Burrow's worst game this season against Auburn. Uh, but Auburn was just, they were just killed by Minnesota in this game. The score, it was a seven-point game. But it felt like Minnesota was dominating Auburn for a majority of the game. Um, the score was close, and Minnesota was never up by that much. 
But it just felt like they were much more prepared than the Tigers. Uh, they had a great game plan. Defensively, they were good. Offensively, Auburn was terrible and inconsistent. They couldn't get the run game going. Uh, Auburn's leading rusher was I forget how to say his name. Jatarvius Whitlow or Booby Whitlow, as he's also called. I mean, he had 24 rushing yards. That's terrible. Um, and Auburn's not a bad, a bad, they don't have a bad run game. Like, their run game is one of the, it's like top, is it top 15, top 20 in the nation? So I don't know why they were struggling to run the ball this game. Uh, but they did. Like, they were terrible running the ball. Um, couldn't get the run game going. And then their pass protection was awful. Bo Nix was running around like a chicken with his head cut off for the entire game. Uh, they couldn't get the pass game going. And it was just, it, it was just pathetic. It was awful. Auburn's offense has been so vanilla all season long. And and I'm tired of it. And th- this this is one of the reasons why I want Gus Malzahn fired. I like Gus Malzahn as a person. I don't think he's a terrible coach. Uh, he, he's got good morals. Um, I like the state of our program. Like, I like, you know, I like the family feel we have. It's like a family, and I like that. And, and, and I like the energy surrounding the program. But Gus Malzahn, I don't understand why. We're so bad offensively. Like, we've been terrible the last two years on offense. And there's no reason why. We have a great running back in Whitlow. We have a good quarterback in Bo Nix. We have a lot of offensive weapons. Seth Williams is one of the best receivers in the nation. He's great. He, I mean, he's extremely talented. We have Anthony Schwartz, who's one of the fastest people on the planet. He's a track star. And, by the way, he might be dropping football. He might be quitting football to focus primarily on track, which would be detrimental to our offense. Uh, but moving on from that. And then we have, uh, what's his name? Ah, uh, oh crap, number 33, the white receiver, uh, former kicker, Will Hastings. We have him. He's a good receiver. Who else do we have? Uh, those are the only guys I can think of. But, like, we have so many weapons on offense. We got good running backs. DJ Williams is a true freshman. He's good. Sean Shivers, a sophomore running back. He's really good. I don't understand why our offense is so pathetic. It makes no sense. We have the weapons. I know our offensive line is not that good. But come on. We should not be struggling against Minnesota. We should not be facing third down three plays into every drive. we got to be able to move the ball down the field. And we couldn't do that in the first half. The first half, we were awful. We, we had one touchdown in the first half on offense. The only other touchdown we scored was on a kick return touchdown by Ike Igbenogany, which was an awesome return. Uh, but, like, our offense is, is just so awful. It's so pathetic. It's awful to watch. I would rather have my eyes poked out with toothpicks than to watch the Auburn Tigers on offense. Seriously, it's that bad. I hate watching us try to move the ball down the field with no success. But anyway, I'm going to stop talking about Auburn and talk about Minnesota because they were awesome this game, specifically Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson was incredible. He had 12 catches for 204 yards and two touchdowns. Bro, that stat line is insane. That is awesome. And that's like, that's an insane stat line. And it's, like, comparable to Justin Jefferson's stat line, who had, um, 
like 12 catches for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, and I mean that's that's insane what Tyler Johnson was able to do. This is not a bad Auburn secondary. Now it it's their pass defense isn't great. Um, they don't have any extremely talented corners, but it's not bad. Now it's bad when there's no pass rush and they have to run man coverage without a pass rush. And they're not great in coverage. But they got a lot of speed and a lot of athleticism, so I don't understand why they were struggling so bad. But T- Tyler Johnson just killed them. He absolutely murdered Auburn secondary, sliced them up. Um, he was awesome. Tanner Morgan, 19 for 29, 278 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. That was a bad pick. But besides that, he was pretty good. Um, running the RPO, he's making good reads, good, deci- good decisions, and he was just slicing up Auburn secondary. Um, he and Tyler Johnson were just a two-man wrecking crew in this game. And their run game was fantastic as well. Uh, like I said earlier, Auburn could not stop the run at all in this game. Muhammad, Muhammad Ibrahim, Ibrahim, I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm probably butchering it. But he had 20 carries for 140 yards and a touchdown. And Rodney Smith had 16 carries for 69 yards. Bro. That's over 200 rushing yards from two running backs. How? You have one of the best front sevens in the country. I don't understand why Auburn was struggling so much to stop the run. It's insane. Uh, but Minnesota won 31-24. to They were great offensively. Auburn actually kind of came alive a little bit offensively in the second half. Um, actually, hold up. No. They... They, they were, hold up, it was 17, yeah, no, never mind, that, that's bad, that's incorrect by me, they were actually even more pathetic in the second half, um, they, they always scored two offensive, uh, two, uh, two offensive touchdowns, one each half, but in the second half, they were just really bad, they could not score at all, they couldn't move the ball down the field in the second half, really struggled, and, um, like, they could only, like, like I said, battle I played, could only score three after an interception on Minnesota's first possession, Oh, I want to talk about this. A bad fake punt late in the game. I just saw the, saw this in my notes. That was an awful play. I like. I, why didn't we punt? I don't. I don't question the faking the punt. I question faking the punt when Minnesota's obviously ready for it. Why didn't like once we saw they were in good defense? Why didn't we just punt the ball away? I don't really understand why we decided to throw it, even though they were obviously ready for it. Uh, we still decided to throw it, and it was a terrible throw. It, like that play was not going to work, uh, so I don't really understand that. But anyways, that was a bad decision. Uh, I also want to talk about the. Uh, th- there was one touchdown that Minnesota scored. Um, it was like a one-yard pass from Tanner Morgan to their tight end, and it was a weird, a weird possession because once they got, once Minnesota got to the goal line, they had three consecutive plays where they scored touchdowns. That had to be reviewed, and that were called back, and it was just absolutely insane. Uh, it was crazy how many times the officials got the call wrong, and like obviously got it wrong. Like these calls were not hard. Like I, I felt if it, it felt obvious to me that Minnesota was sort of the goal line each time, but they kept giving them the touchdown, kept having to review it. Uh, so that that was a we- a really weird possession there. Um, that's pretty much all I want to talk about in this game. Minnesota was great offensively. Uh, they had a great run game. They ran all over Auburn's front seven. Um, and the RPOs just killed Auburn's secondary. Tyler Johnson was amazing. 
that was a big win by Minnesota. They really needed the big win to cap off their amazing season. Um, so that that was huge. And a- after losing to Wisconsin to f- to finish off the regular season, this was a, a really good a really good showing for the Minnesota Gophers. So I, I, good good job by them. Um, props to them. Props to uh, their coach PJ Fleck, who's had an amazing tenure there so far. Um, and this was an amazing season for them. So congrats to the Minnesota Gophers. Alright, moving on. Alabama, Michigan. Um, this was a good game for the first half. I think a half kind of got out of uh, out of hand for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, but, wow, Alabama started off on fire. Matt Jones hit Jerry Judy for an 85-yard touchdown on the very first play of the game. So that was awesome. At this point, I'm thinking, wow, uh, this might be a long day for Michigan. I picked Alabama in this game. So at that point, I'm like, All right, I, I, I. This is looking good to start off. Um, and Patterson struggled early uh, for about the first three minutes. Uh, he was inaccurate. Couldn't really get throws in the tight windows. Um, and Alabama struggled to stop the run early. Like Michigan was running all over them. And they were missing two key players, Terrell Lewis and Trevon Diggs. And it, it was obvious that those were huge, that, that they missed those two guys a lot. Because... I mean, Michigan was running all over Alabama's front seven, and Alabama had no had no answer for it. Um, and Michigan ended up tying it up after a short pass to number eighty-two on a fake jet sweep. Uh, Michigan was actually able to move the ball down the field, and then uh, right after that, Michigan forced a punt uh, after tying the game up, and two huge penalties against Michigan led to a, a, a touchdown by Najee Harris that a pass interference and that a roughing the passer on an incomplete pass on third and ten. That was huge. They might have been able to get the ball back, um, but they, they roughed the passer, and that was a huge penalty. Alabama ended up taking the 14-7 lead there. Then on the next position, Michigan State, or Michigan hit, uh, this is right before halftime, Michigan hit a 57-yard field goal to go up 16-14 to at the half, and that was a, a, a huge possession for Michigan. Started off, Patterson rolled out, uh, hit his hit his uh, receiver uh, for a first down. His receiver made a tough grab. Um, then they converted the fourth and two down the field. Um, they could have took the field goal here, but they decided to go for it. This was a risky call. Um, they converted. Then a sack forced Michigan to take the long 57-yard field goal, um, which they were able to hit, which was surprising. I couldn't believe it. Like a 57-yard field goal is no joke. But they ended up hitting it and went into halftime with a 16-14 to 14 lead. Alabama came out in the second half swinging. Uh, they go, they went up 21-16 on a 42-yard pass from Matt Jones to Devontae Smith, and which was an insane grab by Smith. The pass was a little bit inside, and Smith had to make a, a crazy adjustment to catch the ball, which he did. A great catch by him. I was shocked. I mean, that was a big boy play by Devontae Smith. Um, and in this second half, Michigan just really struggled offensively. They couldn't score. They didn't score at all in this half. Um, Alabama got the run game going. And I think the the biggest issue for Michigan in this game was the deep ball by Alabama. Alabama had too many um, big plays deep down the field. And those were that was really the, the deciding factor in this game. Michigan couldn't stop it. Um, and, I mean, they have a good defense. Uh, but but Matt Jones was throwing the ball all over the field, and once they got up double digits, 
Alabama started running the ball, and at that point it was over for Michigan. Michigan's offense fell flat in the second half, um, so that's why they lost. Uh, big win by Alabama, 35-16. They win another bowl game. I know, I know it was disappointing uh, for Alabama to be in this position, uh, but I was, I, I, it was good to see them come out, not come out unmotivated. They came to win. They got the job done, so that was good to see. That was a, that was a good win by, by Alabama, especially missing Trevon Diggs and Terrell Lewis. All right, next up, uh, let's go Georgia, Baylor. I don't want to talk about Wisconsin, Oregon. Uh, I want to save that for last. But this uh, Georgia-Baylor game was boring. wasn't really entertaining to watch. Georgia dominated them for a majority of the game. They went up 19-0. Uh, their de- Georgia's defense was just awesome in this game. They got a lot of pressure, and Baylor's offense couldn't really get going because um, Georgia's defense, Georgia's get a lot of pressure, and the pressure in, in Baylor's quarterback's face, and they couldn't get anything going. A lot of punch for them, incomplete passes. It was, it was just a rough, a rough game for them, especially in the first half. They couldn't get anything going offensively, and they were struggling. I mean, it, it, was, it was a rough game for Baylor's offense. And Georgia went up uh, 19-0. Pickens was incredible in this game. George Pickens, a true freshman receiver. He had 12 catches for 175 yards and a touchdown. And from Fromm had a good stat line. 20, he was 20 for 30 for 250 yards and two touchdowns. So it was good to see Georgia's offense clicking. Um, they were really efficient offensively, um, especially in the past game. That's one area they struggled in offseason. Jake Fromm was, was really bad this season. Just missing passes. He was really inaccurate. Um, couldn't hit the deep ball. But in this game, he was a lot better. Um, and he, he made some really big throws in this game, especially one uh, to George Pickens for his own his lone touchdown. He hit him. It was um, – he. I mean, he had to drop – he dropped this ball in in, in, in the bucket. Like, it, was, it was an insane throw. Uh, it was like Pickens was running like a fade. And Frog threw it up. Put a lot of touch on it, uh, just dropped it right into Pickens' hands, and Pickens was rolling out of bounds, but somehow he was able to stick the ball out um, and cross the plane, so that was a touchdown. Um, and they went up. They went up. I think at that point they were up thirteen nothing. Uh, actually, they, I think they were up ten nothing at that point, and um, they're up double digits. And that that it was just it was just such a boring game. So so un- unentertaining. All you really need to know about this game is that Georgia was dominant defensively, got a lot of quarterback, uh, got a lot of pressure on Baylor's quarterback. Baylor couldn't really get any, anything done offensively. Now uh, they weren't able to. They came out. Baylor came out in the second half in their first possession, uh, moved the ball down the field, got a touchdown, and they were able to t- score a touchdown late in the game uh, to make the score a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, 26 to 14 final score. Georgia was dominant. Their defense was too good. And they were missing 13 players. Six starters. So this was a bad look for the Big 12. A bad loss for Baylor. Their offense just couldn't handle Georgia's defense. Georgia was aggressive, got a lot of pressure. And their offense finally looked like a legitimate offense for once this season. Um, So that was the big win by Georgia. I got that game right. I was actually two for four in these New Year's Six Bowl games. Uh, so I, I was happy about that. Could have been a lot worse. Thomas was actually, uh, in his bowl mania, he was 0 for 4. So he had a rough day. 
Now, let's get into Wisconsin-Oregon, which was a fantastic Rose Bowl game. This was a fantastic game. Very entertaining. I picked Wisconsin, but Oregon ended up coming out with a victory, 28-27. This was an insane game. This is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Oregon came out on fire. They had a great first drive. They moved the ball down the field. Herbert was making good decisions, making good throws. He was accurate. He made a tough throw on the sideline through his receiver to start the, uh, the drive off. They drove down the field. Um, and, you know, they couldn't run the ball first drive. Wisconsin did a great job of stopping the run on Oregon's first drive. Uh, but Oregon converted two third downs, and they scored on a read option uh, from four yards out to go up 7 nothing to start the game off. Um, and then Wisconsin came out on the kick return, took it all the way back for a touchdown to tie the game at, to tie the game at seven to seven. That was an insane play. Um, and then Oregon got the ball back, and this was a really weird play here. Uh, Harvard threw the ball. It was like a short pass, but it was intercepted by. Um, it wasn't uh, this guy. It was intercepted by Jack Sanborn, who's a linebacker. But it was like he was playing defensive line on this play. It was a weird interception. Um, I think Herbert just threw the ball a little low, and so allowed this guy to make a play. Because this guy wasn't in coverage. It wasn't like Herbert just made a bad read. No, this guy was like blitzing or something and was able to get a hand on it um, and got a pick. Wisconsin had the ball in Oregon territory. They had the ball inside uh, the 30-yard line. So, like, they were almost in the red zone after this pick. Uh, but some like they just struggled. They could their offense couldn't get going. Um, they they started off flat offensively, so they were forced to take a field goal. They were, they went up ten seven, and both teams struggled offensively in the first quarter. It was a very very boring game offensively for both teams uh, in their first quarter. Like here's the here's the the ESPN play by play. Zero plays punt. Uh, oh, that was an interception by Oregon. One play, punt. Four plays, punt. Three plays, punt. Three plays, four plays, punt. Actually, that one play was a... That was a turnover. I forgot what that was. Oh, the zero plays was actually the kickoff return. The one play was the interception by Herbert. Then it was like four plays, three plays, three plays, four plays, all, all leading the punts. Oregon had a lot of possessions in the first half where it was like under... It was like five possessions or under and then a punt. Um, so they still got offensively uh, with two, two minutes and 51 seconds in the first. Wisconsin's offense finally came alive. They were able to get some points. Started off a 22-yard uh, yard pass. Uh, play action from Cone to Jake Ferguson. Then Jonathan Taylor had two uh, seven-yard runs. After a few penalties, Wisconsin says, you know, screw Jonathan Taylor. We're not running. And they passed three straight times, and they missed out. And they missed a, a 47-yard field goal. This was a huge drive. They could have gone up 17-7. Uh, could have gone up double digits. They weren't able to put points on point, put points up on the board. Then uh, Oregon punted the ball. Then Jonathan Taylor fumbled. And uh, so there was two turnovers in this game by Wisconsin. Actually three, now that I think about it. Three fumbles. That was the first of those. Uh, and with four minutes and eight seconds in the second quarter, Cohen had a terrible pick. Uh, you know, it's it wasn't just a bad decision. Kavion, Kavon Thibodeau, 
got a, got pressure. He was right in Cone's face. Cone panicked, threw the ball. It was behind this receiver, right into the hands of an Oregon defender. Um, so Oregon got the ball back, and then they drove down the field. First and goal from the five. Herbert a five had a five yard rushing touchdown, and it was very similar to the to his first rushing touchdown. He like stiff armed the guy, got it to the end zone, and that made it fourteen um, ten. And then with 45 seconds left in the half, there was a pass interference penalty on Oregon. Uh, but number 87 for Wisconsin receiver, he caught the ball anyway. They ruled it a catch. They reviewed the play, said that it was not a catch. He was forced out of bounds. But, and so usually when you're forced out of bounds, if you come back in, you can catch the ball. But he never established position in bounds, so it was not a catch. Uh, which would have been a huge play. They probably scored a touchdown. And then on third and goal, uh, Cone, this was an insane throw. He stepped up in the pocket. Oregon got a lot of pressure. He stepped up and threw a dot. Um, I forgot who. Oh, it was to 87. Uh, he, he caught it in air. He had crossed the goal line at that point, so it was a touchdown. Um, and that, that made it a 17-14 to 14 game. And then uh, on fourth and I think this is at this point, they went uh, into halftime up 17-14. Then in the second half, on fourth on a fourth and ten, Wisconsin punter fumbles the ball, and Brady Breeze returns the fumble 31 yards for a touchdown. They take the lead here, go up 21-17, and then uh, with seven minutes and 51 seconds left in the fourth, Breeze forced another fumble, um, which gave Oregon possession in Wisconsin territory. And on fourth and ten, first and ten on this drive, uh, right after the fumble. With, uh, with 7 minutes and 51 seconds left, a read option. Oregon ran read option again, and Herbert took this 30 yards for his third rushing touchdown of the game. And Oregon goes up 28-27. This was the fir- the very first play after uh, Breeze's second forced fumble. They score immediately, go up 28-27. Wisconsin started driving down the field. They really needed to take the lead here. Um, and Cone tried on the third down to hit hit a receiver down the field. It was a tough throw. And he he doesn't have great arm strength, so he like kinda put a little too much touch on it. Wasn't able to drive the ball. Uh, drive it enough to get to get the ball in that tight window. So Wisconsin Wisconsin had the punt and they never saw the ball again. So turnovers really killed Wisconsin in this game. Uh, just huge uh, three huge turnovers. Two leading directly to points for Oregon. Um, and Oregon wasn't great offensively in this game. They had a lot of possessions, like quick possess- like quick possessions uh, where they had the punt. But they, they were able to make the make a lot of plays defensively, force turnovers, and then convert those turnovers into points, take advantage of the, of the good field position. Big win by Oregon. Big, big game for Herbert. Didn't do a lot with his arm, but he, he made some crucial plays with his legs. And player of the game was Bryant Breeze, who had two forced fumbles. Well, he had a forced fumble um, that gave Oregon the ball in Wisconsin territory late in the fourth quarter. And then he had, he returned that that fumbled punt 30 yards for a touchdown to put them up um, early in the second half. Big big win for Oregon. And Oregon looks like they, they're in a good position now. Their program's in a good spot. They just won the Rose Bowl. Um, they were in contention for a playoff spot. They would have made the playoff spot 
if not for their loss to Arizona State. Big season for them. Uh, this is a big win for Herbert. And, you know, I mean, just what a game to cap off the New Year's Six Bowl games. This has been a great bowl, a bowl season. I'm excited to watch uh, the National Championship on January 13th. Thomas and I will get on a podcast and talk about that. But I hope you all enjoyed this, and I will see you all next time. Peace. Thank you.